Warning, this podcast may contain graphic and triggering content. Please listen at your own risk. Each individual struggle is different and everyone's recovery and healing journey is different. Please reach out to a certified medical professional if you need help. Welcome to episode 29 of Stomp the Stigma, the podcast aimed to fight the stigma surrounding mental health through education, awareness, experiences, stories, resources, and the vulnerable truth. Joining me to Stomp the Stigma once again is John from Wired Differently. This is episode two of a three-part series that I hope you guys will love. This episode, we get into the compounding trauma that he has experienced how PTSD has just recently been recognized in certain roles, and how it has affected his home life. We talk a little bit about how the military and veterans are portrayed in the media, as well as the visible versus invisible injuries that they bring back with them. So I hope you guys enjoy this deep dive into John's experiences and what he goes through in his everyday life, Tune in again next week for the third part of this very special series. Wow, I think that's a that's gonna be a very hard concept for I guess civilian people to understand, like how you can't come back to that. But so with your PTSD, do you know kind of how that developed? Like, was there certain specific moments or events that you remember that? is kind of like the root of it or is it just from like all this compounded trauma and everything that you've seen over your I guess career is that how that kind of comes about so uh, the trauma are interesting for it because they're not all the same or all based off the same right mm-hmm. like I said like you said like the compound aspect the total amount of it is is what one day how uh, can I explain that let's, let's put it let's put it like this you have an empty glasses right you start your day with an empty glasses you're gonna drive. It's gonna you're, you're gonna start having some water in your glasses because driving around might or might not have a stress. You go to work. There might be a stress relief. So a bit more of water, right? Uh, now add up to this that you have um, you have a little bit more of I don't know. You have another trauma, a glass that is three quarter full. Add up the normal trauma to pay your bills, to actually cut the grass, to actually help your neighbor when he needs to. So your glass is full within an hour so yeah it's an accumulation more than anything i think the and the last trauma doesn't make it worse than the first the last trauma is so real because first it's fresh but it's what tipped the glass of wine right uh and spilled everything out uh trauma kept going as well right so it doesn't matter if i'm still at home things that will happen that will add up to traumas right or or what they call as well sanctuary trauma right um and, and sanctuary trauma is is related to moral trauma so it's something that comes with work uh that that will that is not normal so a sanctuary trauma is if you let's say i'm seeing a, a death of someone and i expect that i should have support from my employer and my employer actually used that against myself so it's kind of a double dip trauma 101 uh where, where it makes it so much worse, but as well as it's going to make it that you do not trust who you work for. Because when they were supposed to take care of you, they use it negatively. So uh, there's kind of a various trauma that comes with it as well that makes that ball of PTSD, of, of uh, 
of operational stress injury worst in total, right? And we all have a personal life as well, right? Like we all have been raised in ways. And, and I mean, all, every parent at least try to do the best that they can, which sometimes is great, sometimes is not enough or, or so on. So I'm hoping that this answer is enough, but I know it's not clear and concise as well, right? Uh, because it's not an exact science. It's not. It, it's everyone is different. So do you know kind of what triggers you now? Oh, yeah. You oh, yeah. Uh, so first thing first, drunks is a, is a good one. Uh, <laughs> I have issue with drunks for some odd reason, but Calgary as a whole is one. So oh, wow. uh, I moved here to become a police officer, right? So um, I, I'll take an example of you. Like uh, you're from here, correct? Mm-hmm. So you grew up and you had friends. And with your friends, when you're kids, like you probably bike somewhere and have fun or play sports and have fun. Um, so the city as a whole has good memories and bad because you probably had sadness as well, breakups, whatever it is, right? Uh, lost parents, lost family, or, or whatever, maybe. Now, I came here for police service. People do not call police to say, hey, I have a party, come join us, it's gonna be fun. People call police for crisis. Um, so with my lot, of, uh, my lot of, of trauma that I had before, now you add up to this. So when I go to Calgary, I, I don't see positive, right? I live outside of Calgary for good reason. I never wanted to arrest my neighbor if there's anything. Um, so living outside of it, when I drive for trauma therapy as of today, I see traumas, I see dark. Okay, I pull over someone here. Oh, someone here was like, having a really bad accident and might die. Or I got into a fight. Or I got this. Or I got that. And so when I look at Calgary, I don't see positive. I do not. I see a negative call because that's the job. The job is quite dark itself. So so Calgary, as of right now, is one. Uh, the police service is one. I have a lot of resentment towards it. Um, when I look at let's say the military aspect, obviously the death, death is a big one because I've been to a lot of death calls. The military, I lost friends, right? Uh, either they, they, they committed suicide or they, they died in combat, right? So death is a big one um, where, where I know my brain will shut off now for feelings, right? And I need to make it happen. So like, okay, you can go through it. You can accept that they, you lost them. So I have to force myself to figure it out and face them. Um, so those are small things. Being in a large group is, is, is huge to me. And, and I never thought that it was related to it because I'll give you the example. We were in a festival of jazz in, in Ottawa. And uh, I was with my spouse at the time we were engaged. I couldn't be close to the, the, the stage. So I had to be at the opposite where the gate is, where nobody is there because I was on my guard. Right? The PTSD brings as well what they call hypervigilance, right? Uh, with hypervigilance, if I'm driving, I'm fully aware of whatever is around constantly. And, and, uh, and that brings as well fear. Fear of being, again, that fear of being attacked. Fear of being in a fight. The fear that, um, so those are, those are small things, but they're, they're huge. They, they change the life of someone. Um, so, for example, the first time this weekend, I'm driving to outside of uh, the surrounding of Calgary. I drove up to Saskatchewan with uh, two of my good friends who also suffer. So I was like, you know what? If I can speak to someone, it's just those two dudes. Weirdly enough, I was not triggered for driving through Swift Current or I was not driving, although it's ugly as hell, but Medicine Hat or, you know what I mean, Saskatchewan. Or I was not triggered about that. It was not hard, right? 
because I was not around that Calgary aspect. Would I put myself in a big group still? No, I'm not going to do that. That would be just crazy. Um, but, but those are triggers that I have, right? So it's very bizarre to see that a city can be a trigger as a whole. And, and now the, the, the other thing has come with this is actually I have to prove to my insurance that it's triggering me to go there because just saying it is not enough. They don't believe it. They don't trust it. So you, so to, to have my insurance to help me actually find an employment outside of Calgary will be a challenge because I have to prove that again. Will I have have six again uh, diagnosis about it i hope not <laughs> and be kind of crazy but those are small small things that uh, uh that will trigger trigger me my son screaming is a huge one uh thankfully he's three and a half so he doesn't have those screams. but the first year a baby that's the way that they, they, they communicate he would scream i would be losing my mind uh and, and i would shut down cannot speak cannot talk cannot, cannot, cannot express things my wife was kind of like, what's going on? And I'm like, I just, I cannot hear. Why is it because I've seen a dead baby? Maybe is it because I heard, uh, I had a kid who got bitten 63 times at three months old. Like I have those example in my head, right? Um, so it might be related to this. Do I necessarily click in on every trauma that I have? Those are related to this. I try my best, but it gets overwhelming as well, right? Because I have to revisit old trauma to figure why is it triggering me? Right? So it, it's kind of a constant learning, nonstop that happens uh, day after day. So do you also have like flashbacks at the same time, like when you're triggered to different traumatic events that have happened? Or how does that work? Yeah. So, yeah. So it, like I said, right, like uh, when I, uh, if I drive in, say, in Calgary where mm-hmm. uh, I had a bad fight, right? And, uh, and I will, like I said, I have to smell. So that's part of the flashback, right? But it's smell in that house. Yeah. Uh, if, if I fought someone, right? Like I, I was going through a trauma. I'll put it that way. I was going through a trauma. And in that fight that I had, I uh, punched that person on with my left hand because it was tasing me on my right hand. So my right hand, I couldn't move it. It was kind of stuck. But my left hand, I was, I had a fist the entire time that I could not unclench. And it's not that I didn't want it. I was, I was trying my best, right? To the point that we had to put my, and that was my psychologist who told me to do this, put a, a ice cube in it. So it gets painful, right? Cause it burns, the cold would burn the skin. And it melted in my hand fully. Was I pain, in pain? Yes. But I kept it in my hand so I could, could stop thinking about that, that, that trauma, right? So yes, flashback happens, right? Hundred um, percent. And and uh, hopefully, when you go through those those therapy, those EMDR or ART uh, or the CDTI, there's just so many way of therapies. You're hoping that the trauma will be close, so it doesn't. You don't have to come back to it, right? And then it will be fine, right? I have in the past a few trauma where that friend who died who killed himself, I couldn't speak about it, and now I will speak about it without being. Uh, stressed about it without being triggered so there's positive right like there's kind of a healing process but going through going back through trauma is the most painful thing so every morning that i have a therapy i'll put it that way so my therapy is usually on wednesday i can tell you the day prior my wife i go to bed and i say i'm not getting up i'm not going like a kid i don't want to go to school uh it's the same same thing and i get up in the morning and i will snooze 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 and i know now i have, a, I have an hour to go so i need to go because if i'm 
15 minutes late or if I'm on time, I'm late. So I have to be 15 minutes, 30 minutes earlier. So, okay, so then I get in the car and I, I'm going to be late now. So I'm driving fast like a moron, which is not brilliant. And then I drive through, let's say, Duskenny or, or then I have triggers. So now I'm in uh, hypervigilance, I'm flight, I want to go away. So those are all things. I get to therapy, I'm already, already exhausted and, and uh, I very trigger. And then we're going through trauma on top of it. So, but my body is such in a shock that I would sweat buckets, um, right? And, and there's a lot of like side effect, right? And then it comes with the, the obviously implication, but as, with, with the diagnosis that, that, that comes with it. And in uh, uh, the peer group support is another thing that is fantastic that makes me feel not alone. And I, also you learn. Like we, I'll give you a stupid example, as stupid as possible. It's, uh, I was uh, having a medication at night to sleep. When I go to bed, my left, head, left leg will kind of stretch and then shake. And it lasts probably two seconds. And it will do that 10 to 15 times every night. I thought I was going crazy because I was like, this is not normal. Clearly, must be the medication, but it's not normal. So we were in peer support. And uh, for some reason, I asked, am I the only one in this room? Am I a crazy French guy around of English people? His leg shaking, right? And I found out that it was due to the medication for sleeping. But I was not alone. We were three person who were having that stupid leg shake. So like I said, right, it's, it's small things. It makes you realize that sometimes you're not alone. And, and that goes such a long way because it's a form of support. But with people like this, you don't have to explain, this is the reason why I'm triggered. They will see it. And people will seek to help you, right? Um, and then you become normal. Because I might not be normal for you where your day goes on and you can drive everywhere in Calgary and it's fine versus me who you'll see I'm the asshole guy who's in your ass because I need to pass you because I need to go back home because I, I cannot stand being here. And it's, it's not against the person who's driving slowly. It's not. It's because I, I need to escape. And it's a form of avoidance as well, right? Which I'm working for because I don't want more tickets. My wife will rip my head off. But yeah, so it, it's it's constant, right? It's a constant learning. It's the constant, uh, uh, and I'm losing track because I don't know what you asked me for a question now. And this is what that's the best example from memory lost. It's uh, it's it's something I understood at first, and I started with something, and now I think I'm in Zimbabwe <laughs> explaining something else, right? Yeah, that's okay. I was just asking about um, if you had flashbacks or like how that worked oh, for you. Oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did answer. That's good. <laughs> So you're you're clearly like very aware of what happens to you and what is going through your mind when this is happening. So like what do you do in that situation when you're triggered and like you can feel yourself kind of I don't know spiraling or what I don't know how you want to phrase that but actually it's very good like spiraling spiraling down right because I, you kind of lose control in those mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. uh, depending where I'm at I will try to make it rational. Right, because rational makes sense, right? Even like I said earlier, it's not rational. There's nothing rational to it. But still trying. Um, if I'm at home and I know I'm getting triggered, I cook. And I just discovered that three weeks ago. I always loved cooking. I used to work in Fairmont uh, before before the military. Um, but cooking actually has the, the 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 benefit of calming me down and shutting down everything. Now it's a bit harder when I'm outside of my home because I'm not in a safe area. So that makes it very, very different. Um, 
I have not found necessarily the best way of it. Uh, breeding is one. I mean, uh, earlier I was, and I again, I cannot remember why. I know I broke down for some other reason. My wife hold me for a while and I was breeding. And that was the goal to come back to her. It's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. It's going to pass. Is there a time where I'm, I cannot control it? 100%. And at that time, I'm hoping to be away from anyone. I don't want to hurt anyone, right? Uh, but I know that if I'm around my wife, I'm afraid to hurt her because uh, it doesn't make sense why I'm so stressed. It doesn't make sense why I'm reacting that way. So do I, let's say 50%, I'm able to control it. And there's a 50% that I'm just, the demon takes over. And it's not a religious way of thinking. It's just because there's, um, and I call it voice. I don't have voice in my head that speak. I'm not at that point. But the best way that I can put it is, you know, we're our worst enemy usually, right? We're going to be really hard on ourselves because we want to achieve properly and so on. Well, in my head, when I start to break down, I'm going to call myself weak. Like I'm going to go through a stigma that I hate so much for myself. Uh, and beat myself up and create a feeling of guilt, right? So if I see that uh, I lost, let's say, and that's going to be a funny part, but uh, I lose my patience against my son because at three years old, he just doesn't want a lesson, right? So, which is part of, uh, it's not the herbal, herbal twos. There's the crazy whatever threes. I don't know how you're going to call it, but I'm going to lose patience on him. And I will feel like a horrible dad because he doesn't deserve his dad losing patience for such a silly thing. But I still do. So, uh, and this is when I remove myself, right? My wife is fully aware of those things or will tell me, she's like, you're about to lose it. Just go away, pineapple, right? And it sounds super silly. And the reason why it's, I use pineapple, it's because it's funny. Mm -hmm. Like say pineapple randomly for no reason. It doesn't make sense, right? So, and I'm hoping to give myself a little smile and like an acknowledgement and I walk away, right? So those are the, the way that I try to deal with or navigate, I guess, mm -hmm. right? If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you think this is something that you're going to deal with for the rest of your life? I'm hoping not. Because again, I'm not for that disorder aspect. Right. I'm hoping to heal properly. I'm hoping to be able to manage uh, that. And I'm sure I can rebuild my self-esteem. That's something I can rebuild. I can get in better shape, right? Because I don't want the medication to actually take control of uh, what I look like. And, and like, truthfully, I have 25 pounds over, not because I decided to have it, because there's side effect with the medication, because I, I, I ate when I was freaking out um, because I was trying to find uh, some uh, comfort in food, right? So my parents are all about Italian food all about it right so bread i mean cheese i mean uh which is very french as well but pasta so i was raised on raised on pasta right so if i feel and i try for the longest time to go for the food that has good memories because when i see dark it's just dark right so i would cook i would create like i don't know sauce spaghetti sauce spicy as hell with a lot of garlic so my wife ate me for a few days but uh and hoping that it would do the job. So I would have one plate of that and it's not enough. And then a second plate, so hello carbs, I'm filling myself up and then I'm not fulfilled. Right? I don't have the comfort that it used to give me as a kid. So obviously the, the, the 25 pounds, which is related to the sickness as well, 
I want I want to get get a hold of it, right? So that's an example. I want to get a hold of my concentration because I cannot read more than five minutes. I have that that huge problem, and and uh, reading a book takes me now from forever, right? Um, the other side effect that I had recently that I realized is I never used to wear glasses ever. Two years ago, I had uh, uh, the eye doctor to do because uh, I cannot say the word in English. It's going to be just butcher. Um, told me that it was 2020, uh, and no word of a lie. First, I cannot drive without glasses right now. Uh, if you pull, like, give me a book to read, I need glasses because everything is is blurry. And so that's another another side effect that actually my doctor had never heard about before, right? Um, and, and there's there's a lot of things, right? Like libido is another thing. Libido is out of the whack. Like I, I don't have any, none. It's not happening. Those are all things that comes and change your life, right? So, am I hoping that those things come back hundred percent? Because how can I work if I cannot read, pay attention, right? Loving myself. Uh, there's a lot of things. So those, those are I think are part somewhat of of therapy, right? Like to rebuild that self esteem, to rebuild that concentration, and it will come back overnight, right? So I'm trying to read the couple page a day so I can rebuild that concentration, right? Uh, rebuild that uh, understanding of what's going on. Um, it's kind of relearning, like someone who has a bad accident uh, in a car who has to relearn to walk. It's the same thing, right? Your brain is something you have to practice and make practice to, to gain more. So it's the same thing as a normal injury, I guess, right? Just so interesting. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I guess now that you're out of the military and out of the police service, but you eventually see yourself working again. Like, yeah. what what would you want to do? So I will, So there's there's various various thing, right? I, like I said, I, I want to go in a place where I still help people. Yeah. Uh, I look at Veterans Affair, uh, where I could help other veterans, right? So who else can understand better? Than a veteran who suffer <laughs> to help another veteran who have it who needs help. So I was thinking about that. I, I didn't. I didn't think about um, social worker. Uh, I taught up psychology. Now social worker probably the best way cause, uh, to go because I can do a bachelor degree and then start working. Versus a psychology, you need to do at least a master. Now I don't have a lot of patients. I'm not. I'm not twenty some years old either. So I need to kind of jump on the wagon and, and depending what the insurance will offer as well. I'm hoping to, uh, I live in Cochrane right now, right? So I'm hoping that I will probably move back home or close to home, not never in Quebec again. I don't like French people. It's not true. Uh, but I can say it because I'm French, right? Uh, but, <laughs> but I'm hoping to move probably back home closer, like Ontario, New Brunswick, whatever it is, to be closer to family, to be closer to uh, the, the guy I serve with and, and, and actually go from there, right? Because I need to be as well comfortable. Because if I'm staying in, in, in Alberta and I have to drive to Calgary every day, being triggered every day, I, I'm not. not. Um, if I would say, like, if I, I would just look at the news, and that's another thing, uh, breaking a stigma is, I guess, a passion act. Uh, at the time, look at the news and media and so on. When you think about a veteran who has PTSD, the first thing I saw on TV is it's a guy who take a gun and do a massive shooting. It might have happened once or twice, I agree, but it's not every veteran who suffer. It would be silly, right? So um, I want to I want to change that, and and I want to go further than that. The the military has as their own um, problem, right? Their own stigma around it. 
which I thought it was so awful when I was in it. And uh, don't get me wrong, I was one of those guys who in the past did that as well, say uh, that person is just draining the system um, or using the system, if you wish, because they had more vacation, because they were off or they were paid staying home. Yeah, and I realized that today I don't stay home by choice. I stay home because I'm in prison. I'm in jail here for my own doing. So if I want to break that stigma, there's also the civilian world is even worse, right? If you look in Alberta, correctional officer just got recognized in 2018 that PTSD can be created in their job. It's three years ago. So what happened to the one who were suffering prior to this? Are Were they fired? Right. Uh, AHS finally recognized right the, the mental health uh, that they have because if you look at statistics for Alberta, they say that they have twenty two percent of AHS who came up uh, paramedics who came up front and say like yeah, I have issues and they're then diagnosed with PTSD. Thank God I have that friend, good friend of mine who got fired in two thousand nine for having PTSD right because it was not recognized. So th- what I mean by this is there's a huge stigma around it and the first responder because if you look at, again statistic wise, police officer only five percent. Have PTSD or develop PTSD. Now, do we truly believe that it's only five percent, or are we saying that only five percent come forward? And I think it's option B, right? Uh, because people see it as a weakness, right? Uh, I, I've been asked, like, I receive a phone call from CPS after six months from someone I had no clue it is telling me it's so and so working at Human Resources for CPS. When are you coming back? And I was like, but who are you first before asking me this do you know who i am and do you know where i'm going through so often it makes the person the member feel like a stupid number right and it comes as well with i feel like oh i'm just wasting money from the service uh and and the um and i mean i've been in touch with a lot of members across canada who because of the stigma their supervisor will make it so that they get fired so they don't have to pay them. And that's that's awful because then, and I'll, I'll quote what I had last week uh, from a guy who told me, you told me to go get help and I'm getting fucked by my own fucking chain of command, mm-hmm. right? So that, those little events makes it so people don't speak and stay in the dark and maybe one day kill themselves or... or, or they get bigger, like worse, or get divorced because the family cannot keep on going. So life is not getting better, right? So um, goal is helping. In what field am I gonna go? Good question. Uh, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping to stay in that kind of uh, kind of things, right? But who knows? Uh, I wrote a book. I've been asked to write another one. I don't know what it will be after. <laughs> I have no clue. Uh, but and it's not about money, right? That's another thing, right? Like that. Uh, can tell you that when I joined the military, it was 2006, my first paycheck was $532.45 for two weeks of work. So clearly, I'm not doing it for the cash, right? Moving across the country, losing probably $70,000 for my wife and $20,000 from my side, I, I didn't do it for the money, right? Uh, there's, I believe that the majority of people who are in those fields are not doing it for the cash. Because even if people think it's a good salary or... We do double time if we do overtime or your family's paying the price. Yourself is paying the price. So, I mean, there's, uh, there's another thing that uh, people are very selfless in those, uh, in those ways. And I, and I don't think, truthfully, even if you would pay me $500,000 a year, I don't think there's a good price to see a dead baby. Mm-hmm. Right? 
It, it doesn't pay off what you're going to bring home. And, and the people who think or, or say, hey, what is work, stay at work, and whatever is home, stay home. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. You cannot just shut off what you've just seen. You bring it home as well. Now the question is, are you going to share it with your spouse? Because you need to share it with someone, right? Those are awful situations. So if you share it with your spouse, your spouse will lose that naive side, right? Then how will they react? Will, will you hurt them by doing so? So I can tell you that uh, I know in the military, I, I kind of, first thing first, I unplug cable. I stop paying cable because a lot of news are quite of just negative or bullshit, right? Because a lot of things are covered and controlled because society could not necessarily endure it as a whole, right? But I stopped saying all the details to my wife. So she would know exactly what I went to and whatever it was, but she did not know to need the details, right? She did not know that there was, uh, like I said earlier, if it was a baby that was bitten 63 times and he was three months old, that's pretty much the cover the entire body. I didn't see the color. I wouldn't see the smell and see the cry. I would, but I, I've been to this. She can hear it. That's fine. But I don't want to create an image that would stick into her brain, right? Um, will I explain to my son down the road how the world it truly is? Probably. Will I wait until he's probably 18? Probably. Uh, he doesn't need to know that it's dangerous yet. He needs to know that he needs to be careful. But he doesn't need to know how horrible it can be as well, right? So, yeah. So sometimes it's just measuring what you share. Um, I want to get into... PTSD and veteran portrayal kind of in the media and in movies and stuff like that. Like you tend to see more of just when they kind of really go crazy and like you see like mass shootings or like extreme events like that. And it's so stigmatized in that way. But I mean, obviously as you've shared, it's like, it's so much more than that. And it can be like the simple things like just driving down a certain road. Right. Um, And people pay so much more attention to the visible injuries, like you mentioned before, um, like losing yeah. limbs and stuff like that, and overlook the invisible injuries, like mental health yeah. issues, right? So I don't know if this is something that you could even really answer, but would you say like the majority of people who suffer from PTSD are affected in a way that's more like similar to what you've been through? Uh, I, I, I think... I think the pain is similar, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I, obviously, the, the the trauma is different, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, could, uh, it could be like you got shot at. It could be you've seen something. Because there's kind of three or four ways of having PTSD, right? The first, unseen person. So it happens to you. Yeah. The second one happens to you've seen it happen. So I would see something happen to you and I'm traumatized about it. Third way is I've heard of. I was not there, but it traumatized me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, kind of three levels of, of it, I believe. Um, now, just to give you an example, I when I got diagnosed and I started to get out of my house, so after three, four months, I started to test people because I was curious to see how I would be treated because I was very ashamed of having that that uh, that, 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 that diagnosis. So I went uh, in Cochrane and I, I bought a bag of raw food for my dogs. Um, and I always talk to the owner, super nice guy, roughly my age. Uh, he studied, he's from here, but studied in McGill, Montreal. So, I mean, uh, we have something in common. Um, we both hate Montreal, but it's a nice place. Uh, and, and I told him, I'm like, he's like, so, also, you're police or military, right? I'm not 
quite sure. How's that going? Like, is it? And I'm like, I'm off. So you're off. Just a, a week. I'm like, no, I got diagnosis, uh, diagnosed with uh, PTSD and uh, major depression, the, the depression disorder. And I saw, I saw a form of fear in his eyes because it's unknown, because people don't understand it, because like you said, what is portrayed in media is, is awful. And it was not rude was going to follow with it, but it's, it's what he felt comfortable with. So he took the box of food and he walked me out. Right. So, and, and, it, and like, again, again, it was not rude. Usually we, the conversation was done. Like we were not talking anymore. It was a, uh, I think he did not expect me saying this. Uh, and like I said, he walked the food up to my, my vehicle, which was right outside the door and he wished me a good day. Right. So he felt very uncomfortable with now I would have showed up and missing a leg and I, it's not to put uh, missing a limb uh, smaller than what it is, right? Because right. I'm convinced it's awful. I have friends who are missing limbs uh, and so on. Now, people understand, like we said, I told you before, St. Thomas, right? People understand when you, you, they can see. And now, okay, so he's missing a leg, he went overseas, he's a, or Ishi. They're heroes because they went to war and, and now they are paying the price. Mm-hmm. Now, the injury that I carry, I can be smiling, right? Like, uh, I can be totally fine, and that's a mask Mm -hmm. that I wear because I know how to wear that. I know what people would want me to be, and it's not someone who's depressive. It's not someone who's, I have anxiety. It's not, right? And and so that clicked in, and this is, I think, where I realized that we need to help people understand. so that kind of started a journey about that, but um, but I would say that yes, a, a lot of us are stuck at home by fear, um, and, and I'm, I'm just I'm using the people that I know, right? Or they will jump into their uh, their work, and family's going to take the the door, right? Uh, because if you jump into work, you avoid everything because you don't want that diagnosis because um, you don't want to stereotype with it. I'll, I'll give you a good example again. Um, there was a sergeant in Toronto police who was a SWAT team. Uh, in 2012, he got diagnosed, uh, and he had a time off therapy and so on. When he came back, his staff sergeant said, are you sure you want to say it? Are you sure you want us to know that you have that? And he's like, yeah. He's like, it's better for my health, right? Well, he found his job... He found himself now being removed of the SWAT team, mm-hmm. put in the office in front of uh, the change room. He had no computer, nothing. What was he doing? So he was now used as an example. That if you speak out loud, right, you're going to be showed by everyone that you're not useful, but we have to pay. He killed himself in 2018 or 19, I believe. Wow. Um, so it's extremely sad because obviously you feel quite alone and until you realize that you're not it is a very very hard world um because everything comes in your head right and then and it can be in silence right i could have a drink a beer whatever it is or coffee right and i'm talking to you meanwhile my head it says you're a fucking loser mm-hmm. right there there's or you've been functional right like I, uh, the best example i'm 34 years old right uh i've been off now for since 2019, so I'm turning 35 in two weeks. Uh, it's going to be now two years almost. I'm off, and I cannot work. So, right by saying this, in my head, it comes that I'm 
I'm useless, right? I cannot do my grocery. And, and thank God for Veterans Affairs, they have many programs that they can uh, financially help you, but it, it remains that it doesn't give me my, my me back, right? It is, and I will never come back to what I was. And I'm convinced of that, right? I will never be that guy who's overly joyful. I'll be joyful again, right? But there is that part inside of me that has been injured and it's going to remain that way, right? Um, I, I, uh, I will share with you later on. I have, I have a nice whatever um, frame with, uh, with where I served, what I did, Barry, and so on. And the other day, it was, I was putting it on the, on the floor. And beside it, I was emptying a, a box. And it was the box of every medication that I took in the past two years, which there's probably 50 bottles. And, and that's the cost. Right. And the cost is, is, and I, I'm not afraid to say it. And I told my wife again this morning, I'm like, I, I'm so sick of being an asshole. And, and it sounds funny. I mean, what do you mean by being an asshole? And I, I mean, when those, when those fear feeling blue, uh, being afraid of the past, uh, and especially the future comes up inside of me, uh, there's, there's nothing that makes me function. So you're telling me one thing, boom, I'm up. And I can be very angry. And, um, and then and salt will come in and so on. And don't get me wrong, I'm extremely lucky my wife is still with me. Uh, I, I did offer her to let leave. I said, I said to her, I'm like, you'll be better off leaving me right now because it's not a, a life to live, right? Uh, because it's, it's toxic. When I have those, those spiral down, it's very, very toxic. And, um, and, and she agreed. She's like, you know what? Like, I would leave right now. It'd be probably easier, right? Uh, which I, I'm glad that she, she has a blunt side as well because I need to hear it. The, the truth is, is she did not left, thank God, because I, I feel a fuel of her feelings, right? So because it's so hard to have feelings right now because my, my feelings are kind of a, uh, all mixed up on like sadness, anger, sometimes joy, sometimes whatever it is, that uh, if she's happy, I'm happy. Because I know that her feelings are pretty straight up. Like she's pretty stable compared to me. So if, if you remove this, let's say you remove my, my spouse who's constantly supporting me. If you remove the fact that you have peer support, right? If you remove the fact that you go get help and work those trauma, then you have someone who stay at home, barely can eat, barely can wash himself, uh, see dark, dark thoughts, and has to fight against them fully alone. When, years prior, you were a team. Everything was done as a team. And it's, it's everyone knew that they have a, like a duty to do and fill up for everything to work, right? So now you're alone to do everything. And, and I'm not going to, like I will tell you myself, there was a time where I stopped showering. I just, and, and I'm a guy who likes to smell good. I mean, like, like everyone else, right? Um, and, and it took my wife to tell me, okay, buddy. Time now, get a shower, shave, right? Go get a haircut. And I remember, like, I did not cut my hair. I looked like uh, Home Alone, Marty or Marv or whatever his name is. Like his hair, like was was a curl, right? Um, and I looked like this, a bit more crazy, but like this. Um, and it was, uh, it was at the point where, as well as when I go to therapy, I had. It took me probably a month later to tell a therapist I have issue showering. And it, it doesn't make sense in my brain. How come I have issues showering? It's just a, like it's a 
basic, basic thing. I had issue uh, from from cutting the grass on, on on my lawn, right? Which it's a normal duty as a society that you have to do, right? Uh, but getting out, I would have a hoodie or put a hood on, hat, sunglasses, so nobody can see me. I didn't want to be seen. I was ashamed of who I am. And I, I cut the grass this morning, don't get me wrong, I, I've done it. I had a hat on and the glasses. The hoodie's not there. I, I went for a walk earlier, hat on, glasses. Uh, my head is on a swivel for multiple reasons because first my, my earphones are noise canceling so I don't know what's going on around. But I'm afraid to be jumped. I'm afraid to be attacked. I'm afraid that things that happened in the past will happen again. And uh, the problem with the trust is very large, right? So I'm looking at some people and it's not everyone because I have friends who actually have PTSD from their service and they still are able to go camping, go hiking, and, and you know what, like, um, actually, like kind of work in society, right? Uh, they don't work anymore because the environment of work is where the trauma is. But living is not a problem. So I don't know. Uh, I, I, I cannot say, I cannot speak for everyone because I think it would be wrong. Um, I can't speak from what I know and what I've seen and what I live through. Um, like leaving this weekend and, and sleeping away for one night uh, was a horrible mistake. And now I, uh, I was in a safe place with friends who understand BTSD. Ooh, but I got triggered. I came back and, you know, as, as weird as it is, I was excited to have that uh, at uh, Burger King because I didn't find anyone in Cochrane, obviously. When everyone started to sleep, like a baby, I started to cry. And I'm like, okay, I cannot make noise, right? Because now I'm a man with other men in the room who's crying. So beating, 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 beating. Uh, shaming myself, guilt. And, and truly, I don't think I'm a bad human. I think uh, I pay my taxes. Uh, if I can cut the grass at my neighbor, I'll do it. You know what I mean? Like I, I do what I'm supposed to do when I take a time to think about it to make sense. Right. But the rational aspect do not exist. Right. Um, when I was trying to explain to my wife at the beginning, who's a very rational person like you are, oh, what's going on in my brain, it, it couldn't process it. It didn't make sense. And I mean, even me, if I explain it, I don't think it makes sense. Why the hell do I drive fast when I'm in Calgary? Like, and, and even my psychologist said, like, if you drive fast in Calgary, don't you think it will attract police that you don't want to interact with? And you know what? Yes, it's, it's totally true. But my brain doesn't say that. My brain say, fuck off, you need to go fast. You need to leave. You need to escape and, and you know, run away. So it's a very interesting flip of things uh, that, that, that change your life. I mean, because the, the fear that I have, and, and truthfully, I think the few reasons why I do therapy is my son. I wouldn't like my parents would not go to my, uh, I played soccer when I was a kid and uh, it would never show up. My parents are extremely brilliant, but whatever sports related, they were not for it. Um, but I want to be there and, and, and sit there and cheer for my son. You know, not going to be the yell, the, the parents who yell at the, the coach or whatnot, but I want to be there for, for him. Or I, I want to be able to say we're going camping. So he has a somewhat normal life. But um, if it was not for them, I'll probably let myself die, right? Without a doubt, because why would I do it, right? Uh, I think the other part that is extremely important to talk about is when I get your diagnosis, okay? So depending where you go or wh whose service you are under, uh, let's say for the, for the military, 
uh, RCMP fall under Veterans Affairs as well. You have a lot of forms to fill out, which you don't have help for it. So you fill them out as best as you can. Um, but if you're, one thing you have to remember is with the uniform come pride. Um, and it's been input in our head immensely, right? So you are extremely proud of, our, of what you wear. It has to be always shiny. Your boots are shiny. The uniform is clean. Your hair cut, you know, name it, right? And it's the same for police, same for uh, firefighters. So when it's time to say, I need help, and this part is not normal, you might not answer properly your question, right? Um, let's push it further. If you have had all your life anxiety, for a normal person who has no anxiety, the anxiety level that you have is probably for them a 12 out of 10. It's humongous. But for you, it's a five because you're used to it. So what do you write on a paper? Five, right? So now you probably work against yourself because you're not in the right state of mind to do it. And those paper will be what refer you to a proper psychologist, will refer you to a social worker, whatever person's going to help you. So it's to as well rewire your brain and say, no, 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 this is not normal, right? Like being stressed in those cases, not normal. Uh, in my mind in 2012, 13, when I was in a, the festival in Ottawa and I had to be on the total opposite, it, I was, that was my normal. It was normal to be like this. I just don't like crowds, right? And you hear people say, I just don't like crowds. Mm -hmm. You don't have people who say, I'm going to be attacked in a fucking crowd, right? It's, it's two things. Yeah. Um, so so that's when you you have to ask yourself, okay. And I think, I think everyone should do it. Like, no word of a lie. Take your time and realize what's going on in your head. Are you just, just keep pushing through? Or it's okay. Or you're fine, right? And... and, and Further than that, okay is not a statement of how you feel. There's no feeling with the word okay, right? So if you talk to a friend and he says, I'm okay, what does that mean, right? Okay is a military term used in the First World War, meaning zero kill. It doesn't mean I'm fine. It doesn't mean I'm happy. It doesn't mean anything of it, right? And as Canadian, super polite Canadian, we all ask each other, how are you? How are you doing, right? when most of us really don't give a flying fuck about what the other feel, right? We don't, right? Um, you, you probably will with your friends, your family, and so on. But as polite as we are, we'll ask anyone, you doing? What's up? Right? I really don't care about the what's up in your life. So try that for a week. And, and I mean, I, I do it still as of today. I'm just opening fully. I'm really not doing well. No, it's, it's been awful. And you'll see who stays, who goes. A lot of people will be like, Goodbye. I have so many things to do this week. Uh, we'll talk soon when you feel better, right? Um, because people are afraid of this, right? We're in a lot of superficial uh, world, right? Where we need to have that big house. Uh, well, not Alberta, so we need a truck, I guess. Uh, but like a motorcycle when we have really two months of summer. Uh, skews, fucking boat when there's no river really in Alberta uh, it, it, it's it's a superficial world right and it's like this across North America by all means but uh, when you start stopping and caring a bit more the beauty of things are, are coming out way more right uh, and and you go to the roots and so on but that's not about PTSD <laughs> Two 
tune in again next week for the third part of this three-part series. I hope you guys loved this episode as much as I did, and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to reach out at any time. You can contact me on Instagram and Facebook at StompTheStigmaYYC, and you can email me at StompTheStigmaYYC at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. And if you or someone you know would like to come on, I would love to have you share your story, speak your truth, and together we can stomp the stigma.